Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined this week by my co-host Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies, runner extraordinaire, and Mark Osterman, MTM's managing editor. We're going to have a great show for you this week. As a reminder, if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast app and head to mtmpodcast.com for links or uh, to subscribe for cards, anything like that. We also have our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories if you want to dive in deeper into the worlds of miles and points with our awesome Facebook and Slack communities, bonus content, all that stuff, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. Gentlemen, I'm just back from Hawaii, so I'm fully relaxed, ready for an awesome show with you. How are things? You're back from Hawaii. I'm home for a cold day. It was so cold, they canceled school for Boston Public Schools. My kids are still in school. I think they're using the cold also as a bit of a cover to have some days off to let the surge kind of work its way out. I mean... We've had a lot of staffing issues and students, you know, I have, I have a class where half my students were missing uh, yesterday, so I, I get it. It is, though, very cold. It's seven degrees and I'm not sure what the wind chill is. So I was outside walking the dog and my eyebrows started freezing over. So I understand why they don't want little kids in Boston standing out uh, waiting at the bus stops. Doesn't this happen every year, though? Is it pretty typical? It to does have not. Just... No, no okay. it doesn't. Not, it's, it's not, not this as cold, cold as the... The polar vortex where you threw water in the air and it turned to dust, is it? So they were saying the last time this happened was in 2015. So I think, you know, I, I think that was similar. So, I mean, it I it is dangerous. Oh, and then the other thing is a lot of bus drivers are out. So kids are waiting for buses even longer. Between that and like the COVID surge, I, I get why they're having the day off. And like I said, my kids are still in school. I walked them to school a lot. We did not walk to school today. It was, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not nice out there. And then when the sun goes down, it's going to be like, two degrees tonight so feel like we're in canada or something that reminds me of uh in fifth grade we did i don't know if you guys ever had this like fifth grade you go to like a camp for two days like a wilderness camp type of thing and learn about science and all that stuff so we went and they closed the school for it being too cold while we were at this camp and we kept uh you know just going along with the camp and everybody else didn't have to go to school except for all the fifth graders at camp were were stuck doing it and then we were staying in the cabin and our heater broke in the cabin the adult with us had like a cup of water just to, in case they woke up in the middle of the night or whatever. That froze overnight while we were sleeping in this cabin. Like the cup of water froze. And they told us not to shower for two days. So, yeah, that was my experience. It was a lot of fun. I have no such experience, <laughs> thankfully, in my I mean, in my uh, <laughs> West Coast life. Yeah, we've discussed the lack of insulation in this room. And, Mark, you made me feel another two degrees colder with that. Thank you. <laughs> At least your water's not freezing. So, oh yeah, uh, well yeah. I had to run I had to run my water all last night because I live in an old house and I think one of the pipes is like more exposed. We have to do that sometimes. Pipes freeze all the time. So part of me was like, should I just drain all the water overnight? You know, like you do for your uh for your lake house. You know, you just empty out all the water <laughs> oh, <yeah>. for <laughs> We had that happen uh, before we beefed up the insulation in the attic. We had the pipes freeze, so we put like a heater up there because they they go through uh, you know the attic instead of we don't have a crawl space or anything. And you know heater, and I just happened to come back from work to check on it, and I was like, oh, I just want to see if the water's running yet. We kept it open, and water was shooting down from my ceiling because the pipe above the bathroom had burst. And luckily, like I walked in within a minute because it hadn't like flooded outside the bathroom. I don't know how this happened, but I ran, did the main shut off, but it was just like shooting down with full force, broke a hole through the ceiling because the water was coming out so strong. It was just spraying everywhere. So if I wouldn't have come home, you know, the whole house would have probably been destroyed. It's funny, like the one time a year where it kind of dips consistently below freezing at night, all the news stations here do the big story about like taping your pipes or, you know, insulating your pipes and ridiculous because you don't ever have to really do that here but they always run the story anyway right, make everybody we we feel how to it. do it yeah just to make you us feel like we're side. part of the part of the stuff <laughs> no it's not i mean there's benefits and 
definitely some drawbacks to living here. Well, I mean, oh. t- Texas last year, so never say never, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I, all the weather has caused a bunch of changes. You know, it's been crazy looking at all the cancellations and flights uh, going on. And I was looking at my Hawaii flights, and I think one of the benefits of Hawaii is they use kind of dedicated fleet of airplanes. So maybe they're less likely for like subs- uh, equipment changes, things like that. So it seemed like a lot of the Hawaii flights weren't getting canceled. But Joe, how was your experience flying down to Orlando on uh, JetBlue? Because uh, I know that there's a, a lot of uh, pain flying this last week. Yeah, I mean, I was really nervous. So the news came out, what, like towards the end of 2021 that JetBlue was going to cut, I think it was 10% of their flights. And so I was pretty nervous about my flights this weekend. On top of all that, we had a snowstorm rolling in on Friday and I was supposed to fly down on Friday. So, you know, one nice thing about, well, I guess you could do this with all of JetBlue, but since I'm a mosaic, I know I'm going to fly with JetBlue a lot. And even though I think last week I talked about how I have too much travel bank, what I ended up doing was I had the flight booked for Friday and on Monday I was like, I'm really worried that this flight's going to get canceled because it's either going to get canceled because of the storm or it's going to get canceled because of COVID or, you know, one thing or another. So I booked a flight on Thursday instead so that I could fly out a day early to avoid the storm. And then what I did was I just kept refreshing the JetBlue like fee waiver page until it kicked in for the storm. And it kicked in about Wednesday morning. They said I could make a change on my storm flight for free. So then I canceled my Thursday flight and then changed my Friday flight. So I had a backup for myself all set. Um, you know, that ended up being okay. And thankfully, JetBlue didn't cancel any of the flights or I mean, they did cancel my original flight on Friday, but no flights were canceled because of COVID or anything like that. It was all just because of the storm on Friday. I actually reached out to Seth Miller from Thoughts, Lines, and Destinations and Arrow and Wandering Aramean. And um, I was like, what are the odds that JetBlue cancels my flight? And he's like, I don't know for sure, but in general, if, if it's still loaded into the schedule, it looks pretty full and it's two days before, you're probably not going to get it canceled. And so all the flights from Orlando was like that. And so I did a bunch of same day changes on Sunday changing my mind, waffling on what flight to take home, but it ended up working out. So uh, it was okay. It was good. But, you know, I still think with all the storms and all the cold, and now they're like, I'm sure there's a ton of delays today because they're probably de-icing planes for like 20 minutes at a time. It's a mess out there. But luckily, I didn't have too many issues, and I was glad I was able to change my flight with uh, no fee and no fair change from the flight that ended up getting canceled now coming back so everything would have been fine you said you were kind of messing around with the flights but if you hadn't changed your flight back that would have been fine too right on the way on the return yeah sunday when i came back everything was great and then another great thing that happened with these flights is that you know JetBlue announced all these perks for mosaics including even more space seats costing only a maximum of 200 points per seat and so you were able to start booking those on january 5th and so i checked at midnight on january 5th and sure enough i, I checked at 11:58, and i checked at like 12:05, and at sure enough by 12:05, i was able to book ems seats and the flights to orlando was only 100 points per seat so i was able to confirm my ems seats for 100 points and then i did like all my flights for the rest of the year 100 points each, like flights to LA, flights to Orlando, flights all over the place. So it is pretty great. I mean, it makes being Mosaic feel at least sort of worth it again. You know, I know a lot of the perks have kind of gone away since everyone can get their money back if they need to cancel their flights. So it was really good to see that. And in fact, JetBlue says they're supposed to reimburse. I don't, they made it unclear, but they're like, oh, and you'll get them points back. And so it's like, it's for free. So I'm going to check my JetBlue account right now to see if they uh, actually, you know, gave the hundred points back. That kind of didn't make sense to me. It was badly worded. So I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work. I think Joe is going to get himself IP banned for just refreshing the JetBlue site way too much. It seems like everything he's doing is just refresh, refresh, refresh. But no, just as a reminder for us non-Mosaics, is that for the the seats? Is that for everybody in your party? Is there a limit to that benefit? I think the limit is 8 to 10. You know, I have a party of 5. So, you know, for our flights to Orlando in February, for my whole family round trip, it was 1,000 points for all the even more space seats. And they're running at like $60, $70 per seat. So it's like, you know, I don't know, Mark, you do the math for me. A thousand points, $600. So <laughs> Joke, whatever that joke's on you, Joe, to. you could have got that for $49 on Frontier one time. <laughs> hey, Frontier exactly. doesn't fly direct from here to uh, 
<laughs> you know what? Well, but it's funny you mentioned that because you know we all have our biases just based on what our home airport is. So I mean, I think a tip right there is just it is important to take advantage of the deals that you have. Like we always make fun of Sean for his Frontier stuff, but that's because Mark. I can only fly, fr- fly Frontier to Las Vegas. Can you fly Frontier anywhere else? Like, that's pretty much it. Or Denver, like I guess. Like, Denver and, Denver and Vegas, pretty much. I think maybe Orlando, too. Those are, like, the three directs. Yeah, so it's, like, it's no good deal for us. But know your local home airport because, you know, there are good deals for you uh, if you know the carriers that service your airport the most. For sure. For sure. I lost my train. I thought I was trying to see all the Frontier flights from your airports just to prove both of you wrong. To, to try to convert you. I, it makes sense that they would refund your points because all the other airlines for a similar status, they give those seats for free. I'm wondering if JetBlue yeah, just has like a technical. Yeah, 10 people. That's kind of yeah. crazy. Whenever and then the they just charge you 100 flies, points. Whenever the Chung people, uh, family flies, they take up like half the seat. So you guys are going to be screwed. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad who's ever left in that last middle seat, you know. <laughs> Between the two youngest tra- children, we stick them there. Exactly. Exactly. No, no. We'll put the youngest child behind the middle seat of the poor stranger. So they get kicked the whole entire trip. This is a joke, people. All right. Calm down. So how was uh, the Orlando experience, uh, the experience of running and doing all the the fun stuff that you did while you were on your trip? Who goes on vacation to sweat and like work out? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, you know, by now from all the body gliding that I'm always going on vacation to sweat in Orlando. Um, yeah, so I went down for, it was Disney Marathon weekend, and I'm sorry, does anyone remember who had this idea? They asked me to clink the medal on. There you go. It Disney spins. runners and their Look medals are fancy. so, un- let's just, can we just get this out of the way? Disney runners and their medals are very annoying. I've okay. been to to Walt Disney World, during, like, just after the weekend. I saw people wearing medals a full week after the marathon, after the races. So, like, they walk it around like it's, I guess, they are doing, you are accomplishing something, but. It is, is a little is, strange how people cling to their medals. Is Disney like the people that kicked off the participation trophy? Like, does everybody get a medal? <laughs> There's a lot to say. Okay, first of all, I was there for a Disney Marathon weekend. I ran the half marathon. Uh, Disney Marathon re- weekend is four races, a 5K, a 10K, half marathon, and a marathon. And like Sean says, when people finish their races, they wear their medals around the parks. I did not wear my medal to the park. And then I met up with a friend and he was like, you need to wear your medal, dude. Because all the cast members are like extra nice to you, and which was, I guess, that was true. Like when you take photo pass pictures, they have you do things with your medal, and they look like they're really nice photos to be wearing. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. But in my mind, I was like, people wear their medals like for the five k, like three days later. It's like you ran three miles. You you could have walked the five k. Like you can walk the five k and get a medal. You know, you ran three miles. Like it's okay. You don't have to wear it for two days. So I wore it for like a few hours, and then at some point I started feeling self conscious again, and so um, I took it off. <laughs> He's like, you know, I know Mark will roast me on Twitter if I keep wearing this. <laughs> well, I'm also like too. I'm too Asian for all the attention. And then there was this kid. So the funny story was there's this kid standing behind me in line at Pirates of the Caribbean, and the kid was like, "Hey, mom." That dude won the race this morning because I was wearing my medal. And I was like, I was like, oh, man, kid, I'm I'm sorry to break it to you, but they give one of these to everybody. Then I was like, you know what, kid? Life lesson. Just finishing the race makes you a winner. So, uh, but no, that's what a problem with our world is, right? (laughs) Well, it depends. I mean, if you half marathon medals are kind of whatever but if you run a full marathon like i think you should get a medal for that i've done it back in my fit days i mean it is really painful so what's and that you know. six miles then for the full marathon it's 26 miles. i can't oh, tell if you're joking 26.2 miles. <laughs> well I, I would just assume half a marathon is half of a regular marathon but i guess not huh <laughs> no half marathon is half i ran 13.1 miles Oh, I thought you said I thought you said three miles. Oh no, That's three miles. Game. No, no, I was making fun of the people with a five k who are like. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thirteen point one miles. It's if you are to run, it's a pretty fun. Like for runners, it's a fun distance to run. A marathon, it's not fun for even like when I was at my. You lost me at three fit. miles being fun. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, it takes a special breed. Uh, in the beginning to do it. But yeah, marathon, I mean, the other nice thing about Marathon Weekend is a lot of Disney people, like people I know, 
they were all descending on Disney World at the same time. So, I mean, you know, frankly, I was like a little bit uncomfortable about the trip. I knew there was going to be a ton of people there. If I wasn't running the half marathon and if I hadn't trained for like three months, I would have definitely canceled the trip. I'm glad I went. I had a lot of fun. It was a weird experience. Honestly, there were more masks outside at Disney World than I have seen since 2020. And we're not talking like everyone was wearing masks or anything, but like 30, 40 percent of people were wearing masks outside. And I just haven't seen that in forever. But I mean, I get it. I I was doing it at times as well, because it gets really tight at times. And then like before the half marathon, you're standing with like a thousand people just waiting for like an hour and a half doing nothing. And everyone's like warming up and breathing. So I get that. You're really selling this. You're selling it hard. Yeah. (laughs) If you're a runner, you already know you want to do it or you don't want to do it. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like a self, it's like Disney. It's already self-sold. Like either you like it or you don't. But I guess that was the cool thing about doing Run Disney is everyone who's running really enjoys Disney and really enjoys running. And so it's like a very small concentric circle, but there's a lot of positivity in that. And then people dress up. I saw Flynn Rider and Rapunzel like running around and this this lady who is Rapunzel and like I saw them from the back at first and I was like, oh, they're probably like some young kids doing it. No, these people are like in their 50s or something. They're like an older couple and Rapunzel's dress. She was running the whole time, like holding her dress. You know how like you hold your dress so it doesn't like flap too much or whatever. It looks so uncomfortable. Like you imagine when you're running, you just want to pump your arms normally. She was holding her dress the entire time for 13.1 miles. It was ridiculous. And people dress up like I saw someone, I think Brooke McDonald, who writes a lot of Disney stuff. I think she was running as in like Mandalorian armor, not like the heavy one, but like lighter one. It is just wild. And there's characters on the race and stuff like that. And you get to run through the Magic Kingdom. It's all lit up and stuff like that. So it's cool. They do this really early before the park opens, I'm assuming. Yes, that was the worst part. I had to wake up at 3 a.m. You go on vacation. You get up at 3 a.m. It's not a. Yeah, you stand yeah. in line for an hour and a half. You sweat. But yeah, you get a medal. He got his medal. I got to wear my medal. Yeah. You got You got Well, it's. And it's also like the longest line I've waited in at Disney World for years because I you're waiting for them to shoot the first starting gun, which I guess is Disney World. So they fire off fireworks for every group that they let go through the starting line, which I mean, I guess that's nice. But then it was like 40 minutes from the first group until I went. So it's like the longest line I've waited at Disney World in a very long time. Uh, And then you run your thing. And then, of course, after you're finished running 13.1 miles, I walked another like eight miles in the park and at like 6 p.m my calves they just stopped working it was like shooting pain through my calves and i had to limp uh, back to my hotel and then um you know that was kind of it so it was a lot of fun overall it was good to see people run into people that i haven't seen for a while um i probably honestly will do it again sometime because it was a lot of fun so john you might like it you can walk. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you can walk all these races if you want. If you walk, that's his way of enough, calling me uh, fat and out of shape. He's like, by the way, you can walk all these races if you want. <laughs> well, I will tell you guys the truth. I lost zero weight training for this, which just means that I ended up eating so much more McDonald's, you know, to make up for dang them the, bringing uh, out the Disney toys while you're training for a marathon. I what know, jerks. Yeah, so I was running like I was like running like 15, 20 miles a week, but I was eating enough McDonald's to make up for that. So you don't need to lose weight, Sean, to do it. And I, I was like, worst case scenario, I'll walk it because I was supposed to do this in twenty twenty, but my back like died. But yeah, it is fun. Uh, I I had to cut my trip way shorter than it was supposed to be, but still glad I went down. We will see. Uh, you know, I've been keeping things safe. I've been kind of staying away from the kids since I got back just for a couple more days. Um, and I'll be rapid testing just to, my wife said, quote, if I have to tell my coworkers that I got COVID because my husband insisted on going to Disney world, I will kill you. So I'm being interested <laughs> to make sure that I don't give it to her if I do have something. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, I want to talk a little bit about my Hawaii trip and I guess we'll, while we're talking a little bit about COVID, the COVID process of going to Hawaii right now, uh, which is a little bit over the top, I would say. I'm not making judgment as to whether it's needed or not. It's just there's a lot of sort of stuff that you have to do. We think about like domestic travel as going, you know, hop on an airplane and go somewhere, right? But that's not how it works with Hawaii. And, you know, all the way up until what, last week, you could get same day COVID tests just about anywhere. You know, it wasn't a big deal. So uh, kind of going back, if you're going to Hawaii and you're not vaccinated, 
then you need a COVID test within 72 hours. My daughter's not vaccinated, so we're going to do that. So about four days out, I'm like, you know, I'll go schedule a test just in case. So four days before we're supposed to leave, I go to schedule a test. And there is not a place in the entire city for a week that I can get her a uh, a COVID test, not a CVS. I went like in a 50 mile radius, not a Walgreens. And then I finally found a local clinic that would do it. Because the thing is that Hawaii only has a list of specific providers that they'll accept a test from. So there's only four places in all of Nevada, Walgreens, CVS, and a couple others that they'll accept it from. I found one where I had to pay $130 for the test, but they did get it done. And uh, that was the first sort of craziness there. Um, They're just very different, right? You would expect they would accept a, a PCR test from anywhere, but not exactly the case. Hawaii has everything uh, very specific. You can't even bring in a banana or whatever. So, you know, th- these islands. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> these island, uh, not nations, but these these island locations, you know, they're very strict about these things, whether it be produce or COVID. Now, to their credit, so Hawaii has this certificate that they get for the test results. It's all very specific. It's not like, like I said, you have to go to a specific provider. Um, so we went to this place, we had to pay the $130 and I was sweating whether the test would come back because all these testing centers are getting delayed and everything else. But thankfully it did come back. They gave us the correct certificate. Hawaii, you have to go to their website and register everything. So you have to register. Each adult has to make their own registration. And then you add your kid to that. Um, I had already done that for my wife and I, we uploaded our vaccine certificates. It took them a day to sort of verify that. And uh, so when we got you, the test result, if you if you are vaccinated, then you don't have to have any tests before you go, or do you have to have like correct a test? Okay, yeah. As of now, you don't need a test; you just need to upload that. So you, everybody going there has to, you know, create their account on the travel.hawaii.gov website, and uh, yeah, you'll you'll get a QR code. So when we got her results, nice thing was everything was automated; like it was able to automatically read the results and uh, process that. And then the next step was getting to the airport. So we got a yellow QR code that basically said that everything needed to be verified by an agent at the airport. So American Airlines in LAX, they had a desk. They had closed one of their gates and they had a desk just for the Hawaii flights because they have so many to the different islands. So you just walked up there, gave them your boarding pass, and then they went through the process of verifying everything. And I mean everything. Like she went through our vaccine cards with a fine tooth comb made sure every date of birth matched, you know, made sure we had all of the test results. So just verifying everything in the system. And then the nice thing was they give you a wristband at that point. And when you get to Hawaii, you just walk right through. You don't have to verify anything in Hawaii on the ground. So you're getting to do it all before you get on the flight. Everyone has to do this no matter what. There's no kind of online version of this. Like every single person who's getting on this plane has to wait in this line and go to the counter. Is that how it's working? There's two ways to do it. In Hawaii, like when we landed in Kauai, they had a place where you could verify stuff. But in LA, American wasn't allowing you to get on the plane without doing it. So I think in practice, you have to do it before you before you go. Yeah, so everybody has to do it. If it's a, you know, if you're vaccinated, it's just a matter of uploading your vaccine card. If you're doing the testing, you got to upload that. They'll verify it. I like the fact that they do it all before the trip. So I was worried like when we landed, what was going to happen, but literally just sort of walked off the plane. The other thing to keep in mind is you need to keep your wristband on if you want. Got to the rental car counter, they wanted they wanted the wristband or that QR code. Same thing at the hotel. They they wanted the wristband or the QR code. So those were the three places that were going to make sure uh, there that that it happened. Like public places, like restaurants, things like that. Nobody verified that, but rental car, hotel, and uh, and airport. That's interesting. Interesting because I know restaurants for a while were requiring all that stuff to get in. Maybe they're more lax now. Did they uh, have uh, specifications on vaccination? Like, is it booster booster shot within six months or is it just two shots or kind of what are the, the terms for that aspect of it? Because I know some places are required, like saying you're only vaccinated if you're within six months of a booster type of thing. Yeah, I think the this obviously changes. So I recommend anybody go to their website, travel.hawaii.gov. But I believe it was if you were 14 days past your second shot. So it didn't require a booster or uh, or anything like like that. They have all of the guidelines sort of laid out. Like I said, it's sort of a, you know, a rough process or a long process. You know, there's a lot of little things that you need to make sure that you do. And of course, I was a little stressed about get, making sure her test came back. That was really the big stress for me. But it came back while we were at Knott's Berry Farm riding the stagecoach. Uh, we went down to Southern California before. So that was that was good stuff. As far as the stay itself, went to the Grand Hyatt Kauai. 
And the redemption is fairly simple. We just redeemed four knights points. That's 25,000 points a night. Uh, the cheapest cash rates were about $620 a night plus tax. So about $800. Although for the nights that we were staying, if you wanted two queen rooms, it was about $4,000 all in including uh, everything. And we, you know, like I said, I redeemed 25,000 points a night. So a really, really good redemption. Have either of you, I know Mark hasn't been, Joe, you haven't been to the Grand Hyatt Kauai, right? No, I haven't been to Kauai at all. I've only been to Oahu and Maui. Well, Kauai has some interesting things. It's one of my favorite islands just because it's so laid back. And the Grand Hyatt Kauai kind of is one of the prettier hotels I've ever seen. It has an amazing set of pools, including a giant saltwater lagoon, lazy river, Many of the pools are interconnected and you can just sort of float around them all day, which is what I love to do. Have a really nice water slide there as well. So it's a really good uh, family resort. The Grand Club there is now reopened and the club there was never very good. So it's okay now. Like they cut back a lot of the, you know, they always had like two hot items and then they had like a full salad bar with cheeses and all that stuff in the evening. They've cut way back on the, like the salad bar stuff and then had like most evenings, one hot item breakfast was uh, cut back a little bit as well. But if you're trying to save money, having club access, you'll be able to get drinks. You know, you'll be able to get enough food for breakfast and dinner that maybe eating lunch will be good enough. I know a lot of people in this community really like to use the clubs to to save money. And, you know, food in Hawaii is very, very expensive. But this is my third stay there. Uh, no sweet upgrade. We were just in a standard room, although we had a nice ocean view. I think with so many globalists this year, this is uh, something I'm really seeing as I'm looking at hotels. It's going to be harder and harder to get suites unless you use a suite upgrade ahead of time. And even then, like in the case of this hotel, you're going to want to do it as soon as possible because there's only so many suites in there. The hotel was not full. It was actually fairly empty after the holidays, but the suites weren't available at all. And uh, that was for sale or, or in any other way because just people are grabbing them so quickly at these high demand uh, resorts. So question for you about Kauai. It's the island that is less developed right it's just like kind of less going on it's kind of more about relaxing and maybe doing some more nature stuff so i always wonder for hotels that are in locations like that do you feel like i mean obviously you go back so you must really like it but are there trade-offs to being at kind of like a hotel where you have everything and you don't want to leave the hotel when there's kind of so much nature and stuff to explore out there on that island yeah, it's always a trade-off, especially you're paying a lot to stay at these hotels too. I mean, 25,000 points is a lot. So you want to, or if you paid the cash rate, of course you're paying a lot. So you want to kind of enjoy the hotel. And like, we love to, to swim in the water slides. So we made sure to do that every day. The way I approach this is I used to think I had to do things, especially like going to Hawaii. You think you have to do everything that everybody says, you know, a, a place like Hawaii, everybody say, oh, I have this favorite restaurant or go to that favorite place. And then you start kind of building up in your mind that you have to do all these things that everybody else does. And my biggest suggestion to anybody, not just for Hawaii, but anywhere, is just do your thing, you know? If you like to sit at the resort and it gives you joy to swim around the pool all day like it does for us, then do it. Of course, the more times you go back, the more you can see stuff. Like this time we went to uh, the, the town that inspired Lilo and Stitch, where Lilo and Stitch are from, so that was fun. I've done on previous trips Waimea Canyon, which is almost as big as the Grand Canyon. It's really uh, massive and cool. Um, yesterday, we flew a red eye back, which was brutal. I, I know what I always say about red eyes, but it was really brutal. But it gave us a chance. You know, we had a late checkout at the resort, got to stay there till almost four. Then we drove around to the north side of the island and saw like, you know, some really cool caves and, and other stuff. So we used that. So we did get around, but I think people should just do themselves. You know, I think it's fine to sit at a resort if you're enjoying it and not just, uh, I don't know, if you're enjoying it, period. That's right. Let's listen to this one more time. I enjoyed myself. <laughs> there it, was there a, it is. By the way, it was uh, Sarah C. on Facebook who mentioned that. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I think, for me, Hawaii is always so tricky because it's not it's not just that, like, people say these are the things you want to do. But, like, when you go to Hawaii, there's just, like, so much – any of the islands, there's just so much that you want to do. But then if you're staying at a really nice resort, like for us, both Alani and the Hilton Waikiki, they were both really nice resorts. We didn't want to leave the resorts either. So there's I, – I think I feel like Hawaii is one of those places where that push and pull – Bali was the same too when it's been too long since I've been there. But, you know, it's just – 
there's so much amazing stuff out there, but then the hotel is so amazing as well. So yeah, I guess the only solution is to go back regularly, which uh, yeah. looks like you've managed to do, Sean. Uh, us East Coasters, Midwesters, yeah, a little West bit harder. Coasters. <laughs> hey, you know you gotta. Yeah, who you don't gotta have to deal with freezing pipes? Jeez. I mean, the only other couple things is flights have been really cheap to Hawaii right now. So I think our our flights were two hundred and twenty dollars round trip, and uh, used my American Airlines status got upgraded to first class on the way back. Uh, well, but... you you got upgraded, not the family. <laughs> you left them in the back. So, like so here's the story about that. So when you have executive platinum status, you can upgrade, you get free upgrades yourself, and then you can use your 500 mile upgrade stickers for up to one person that's with you. But if you're on an itinerary with more than one person, like for instance, three of us on the same itinerary, you just don't get upgrades. And so going there, I just didn't split myself off and I just didn't get the upgrade and I sat with them. And then yesterday, you know, before the, as that red eye kind of what loomed a large, by the way. Sitting with his family. Oh yeah, he's like he's complaining about red eye, and he uh, he was in first class while his family's in coach. Not the hundred point bonus extended extended space coach. Yeah. Yeah. Also, sorry, sorry, we cut Sean off before finishing the story. We know the end, but uh, the listeners don't. So sorry. Continue, Sean. But no, they well, my family was in the. They didn't. American doesn't charge a hundred points to get the extra legroom like uh, JetBlue, so they did have extra legroom seating. But anyway, as the sort of day kind of goes on, I think I tell my wife, I was like. I think I might message American Airlines, see if they can split me off the reservation so I can be eligible for a free upgrade uh, coming back. There's one seat and, you know, usually there's not a lot of competition in Hawaii, but I knew there, you know, there was only one seat. So who knew? So I finally, I go to Twitter and I ask American Airlines to split me off. The key thing is if you ever do this, once you do that, like all the benefits associated with your status uh, that the other people had, they lose. But in this case, I had already assigned their seats in the extra you know, paid seating area. So they got to keep their seats. We didn't need baggage allowance or anything. So they really didn't lose anything. And I moved myself to the middle seat so that if I got upgraded, you know, they wouldn't, they're not going to move somebody to the middle in between them. And so they would have the whole road to themselves. And, uh, two minutes before boarding, I thought right there, people wait till you check in and assign seats and then split off. That's what, that's what, yeah, yeah. no, you really got to do that. That's for any status pretty much. Yeah. Good call. Yep. So, uh, so that all worked okay. And of course I asked Jasmine and she said it was okay. And, uh, then when we got know, home, know, she hasn't talked to me since. Yeah. I've been sleeping much. on the couch well, for the last couple of days, but it was worth it. But, but it, I didn't think it was going to happen. Like they, two minutes before they started boarding, like they had already started pre-boarding and they hadn't upgraded me. And then like right before I get the notification in the app, you've been upgraded. I was like, yes. So, I uh, got on the plane. The, the flight was, you know, fairly pedestrian. I had originally booked, uh, when I booked this trip a couple months ago from Kauai back to LAX and then LAX to Las Vegas, but American somehow canceled that flight and rescheduled us through Phoenix, but they did that a while back. Uh, so that all worked out fairly fine. I was really surprised to see how many people in the first class cabin were eating their crappy American Airlines sandwiches, uh, at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, I felt kind of bad for them. They didn't know how bad those things are. They the, paid the for class. that, man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Free food is free get food. Get the money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> I do yeah. like the uh, strawberry peppermint ice cream or whatever, the strawberry ice cream that American Ireland. I don't know if they still have it. But. Oh, they got none of it. They have these terrible sandwiches. They have a vegetarian option and then it's usually a turkey option, but it has this weird, it's basically the same across the fleet. Like I ate enough of those when I went to the British Virgin Islands a couple months ago. So I, I passed on that. But I re- yeah, I, mean, I flight- remember <laughs> when I did get the ice cream, it was so frozen. Like it was yeah. like they were flying it under the plane. And it was like a rock, and it was so good that you're just sitting there stabbing it nonstop, trying with to get the, the smallest <laughs> with the smallest little chunk of of uh, goodness out of it. <laughs> you're just mad the whole time because you just want to eat it, and you can't get to it, and it's uh, it's frustrating. So that's American, though. They make everything frustrating. Yeah, I may or may not have had that experience many times myself. Uh, so yeah, Phoenix. Now in Phoenix, I offered my wife to take the flight to Las Vegas, the first class upgrade, and she decided not to. She, My daughter wanted to sit with her, so I got, you know. But that, they didn't actually upgrade me until I was already on the plane. I was already boarded, and then they upgraded me uh, on the Phoenix to Las Vegas route. So I did that last-minute 15K spending on the Barclays Aviator card last year uh, to, to get the status, to keep it for another year. So it's nice. At least I got to use it for something, uh, even if uh, I didn't eat the food or 
or anything else there. But yeah, just to kind of recap the Grand Hyatt Kauai, really lovely hotel, one of the most beautiful I've ever been to in the world. Uh, it still impresses me everywhere. I don't, the service level there is not incredibly personal. Like this is a huge hotel that deals with a lot of people, a lot of conventions, a lot of those corporate type events. Everybody's very friendly. For me, the biggest drawback, the front desk staff, there was a couple of small issues with them, but it's just not a hugely personal level of service there. But I don't really expect that at these big corporate hotels. So you forgot to break a pipe in your room to get all the good stuff. <laughs> no, I got plenty. I mean, getting club access there, I feel like it's huge. Getting the ocean view is huge. You know, there wasn't the upgraded room, but the views were fantastic. Uh, you know, the pools there, the only pool that I really, there's two pool areas, and I hate to say this, that I think are better in hotels that I've stayed at. I'm sure there's better ones that exist, but Grand Wailea, which is the Waldorf Astoria property in Maui, has like a water elevator and seven like interconnected pools. I like that pool area slightly better. And then of course, uh, if I had to count Atlantis, uh, hotel aside, I mean, you can't really, there's no better pool area in the world than Atlantis with all of their water slides and everything. So outside of that stuff, I Grand Hyatt Kauai stacks up, love the island, love the, the laid back vibe. One of the few hotels, 25K doesn't seem like uh, it's too out there to redeem for. So highly recommend it. I'll, I'll try to have a kind of a more detailed write-up and review on the website too, because I know a lot of people are interested in that. In that. And Mark, let's pivot real quick because this week you uh, you really enlightened us all what it's like to do something. I, you know, I, I feel like we all want to know what it's like to drive for a delivery service these days because they're so like integral into our lives. Okay, well, I've always wanted to. <laughs> Joe would rather go on vacation know. and stretch and run. Uh, yeah, that and I've been looking out the window waiting for my food. Uber Eats, sorry, Mark, uh, this entire time. So How dare you? Oh, I'm the sorry. credits, though. You're you got to right. use the credits. So, sure. yeah, to, as a tease, yeah, so Mark wrote about what it's like, you know, to, to drive DoorDash, some of the economics, trying to bring sort of that kind of behind the scenes stuff to the site and a lot of really good information there. And, yeah, you thought you want to talk about uh, what it's like to be a DoorDash driver yeah, it's been uh, an interesting experience for sure. One that I've actually really enjoyed. And I'm going to try to, you know, do a more detailed uh, guide type of thing for anybody that is really interested in giving it a try. Kind of the do's and don'ts and, and everything like that. Because you basically like you sign up, uh, they do a background check, which you scan your ID. And it, it was like a couple hours. It didn't take them very long. I think it can take a couple days sometimes. But Came through really quick. I used a buddy's referral, which is not as easy as like, you know, Uber's Eats will have like a swag bucks thing where make a couple deliveries, make $200. This was a $600 bonus. We have to do 290 deliveries in like two months, a little over two months. And then I That's think a lot of gets, deliveries. Let's yeah, just, let's it's, a lot. Just... it's like five a day in the time frame, four to five a day um, on average. And then I think he gets like $900 if I complete it. So he's like, I'll, I'll throw you, I'll throw you a hundred bucks if you do. If you do it, it's like, okay, I'll take more money. But yeah, it's pretty crazy that they offer bounties that high. And it depends on your area, how many drivers they need, stuff like that. You know, I've seen online, some people get a $2,500 referral bonus. So it can be uh, pretty lucrative if you're willing to put in the time. But just the whole aspect of it, you get it, you open up the app and there's like, I'm sure there's videos I probably should have watched, but there was like no how to. I mean, the app's pretty intuitive. It tells you kind of step by step. But the first one I was like, it was, of course, a double order, so I didn't, you know, which means I went to one location, but I had to pick up two people's things, and they're kind of on the same route. I didn't know how to, like, that. that's a different way to access versus a normal order, so I got hit with, like, the most uh, unique thing right off the bat, which made it a little <laughs> difficult to get through at first, but it's pretty easy. I mean, it tells you where to drive, very similar to what you see when you're in an Uber car, and uh, they're driving you around, gives you all the directions, turn by turn. And the map's pretty good, you know, even apartment buildings and stuff like that. It'll tell you most of the time which building to pull up to and, and everything like that. So it's been kind of crazy. You guys have any questions? I need to run. I have, I have two comments, though. Number one, one thing that uh, you noted that I was never, like, sure about, they they talk, they say this, but I, I never quite believe it, was that 100% of the tip goes to the driver. And I think that's really important to kind of remember, like all these fees and stuff like that. Um, but when it's whether Mark's your driver or someone else is your driver, you know, 100% of your tip is going to them. So definitely make sure to tip your drivers. And the other kind of corollary to that, I was surprised by, but what you said made sense was on longer drives, you've been getting less tips. And maybe that's because like the fee is higher. Um, and so, you know, I think kind of 
whatever your tipping system is, do think about the drivers, you know, when they're going longer. Um, yeah, Mark needs the money. And then my last, uh, and then my last, my last joke comment before I run off is, uh, you said something to the effect of, you know, with the creativity that, and thinking that's required in the day job is good to do something more mindless. And I got to say, yeah, all that work you put into those headlines, Mark, you deserve this time. You you deserve this mental break for your uh, side hustle, your side, side, side hustle. If you want to come up with something great, you think you, you just stop thinking about it. So driving around, just coming up with headlines. That's what I'm doing. Well, I totally feel you. I don't know if I want to do door dashing, but I totally feel you. Like I love just driving around and like, you know, there's no kids in the car. It's just you and whatever you're listening to. Or maybe not listening to anything, you and your own thoughts, or no thoughts is probably the best, and you're just relaxing. So I, I get it. I, I hear you. I'm, I'm, I, I really enjoyed uh, listening to this and also reading your article on the website. So everyone should check that out. The interesting thing is, like a couple of years ago, I think DoorDash got into trouble. They were kind of, uh, you know, combining tips or using bigger tips to uh, merge with, you know, orders that are worse tips. So somebody found out about it, so they got in trouble, and now you get a hundred percent of your tips. And I found it interesting, like the DoorDash, and I did a breakdown, the DoorDash fee, what you get paid for the deliveries and the tips, it's basically like 50-50. You know, sometimes it's a little bit better. DoorDash is paying you a little bit more. Other times the tips are a little bit more, but it really is like without tips, it wouldn't be worth doing. And I honestly cannot figure out how they decide what to pay uh, DoorDash, what to pay depending on the order. I think a lot of it comes down to the restaurant, what kind of fees the restaurant's paying them and and stuff because I've had deliveries that were you know six seven miles away and you get two dollars and I've had deliveries that are a mile away and you get three four dollars and it wasn't like the dollar amount you know they weren't ordering a ton of stuff at either place so it really doesn't make sense you would think it'd be based off of distance and time and all that they say that plays a factor into it but it can be all over the place and you know we'll see I'll see orders pop up that are just paying two dollars and that's never going to get delivered delivered so just realize that and the way they'll get around that is if they have an order i think that's been sitting there for a bit that's a bad delivery that nobody wants to take is they'll pair it up with something else they'll wait till a second one in the area comes up and then you'll just see two orders for 14 dollars, let's say and you go do it and the first one is like 10 11 and the second one's three dollars so they merge them because you don't see the breakdown of it um, but that's one way they get around it so i guess if you are trying to be a little bit cheap you can it'll work in the long run maybe yeah, I saw, I remember somebody I followed on Twitter who's a DoorDash driver a while back saying to include your tips ahead of time. Because I used to always put the tip on after, you know, see how the delivery went, all that. But I always ended up putting the tip on anyway, so I don't know why I did it. But DoorDash drivers can see the tip, right? That's part of your, not, if the tip not, is on there. Yeah, not anymore. They used to break it down where oh, you okay. could see the tip in delivery. Now they just tell you, when it when an order pops up, they say, they show you like on the map where you have to go to pick up, where the deliveries are, and then the total mileage of the drive from like where you are now to when you make the last delivery, whether that be one or two. Then they'll give you a minimum amount that you're going to get. And a lot of the time, I'd say like half the time, that's the amount you get. The other half the time, you actually get a little bit more. And I don't know how they don't know exactly. Um, like, do people tip a little bit more? But lately, uh, quite a few times I've been getting like an extra dollar to over what was expected, which I find kind of interesting. So the tip is, in, if I put the tip ahead of time, though, it's probably included in your expected yeah. pay. So yep. that just makes it, to your point, more attractive for somebody to come and take my order. If the tip is there, they're going to make more money. They're going to see that that up front. At least I know that anecdotally I've started doing that, and it seems like my deliveries come a lot more consistently and, oh, and yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah. I will say if you're noticing that your order's not getting picked up or it's taking a long time, you probably uh, are not a good delivery. So that's something to be aware of. You know, there will be times that it'll be like a 14 mile delivery and that you have to remember you're driving out to it. And then if you leave your zone, because whenever you sign, you know, you start the night, you are in this little zone area. And when you leave it, you have to drive back to your zone to get another order. Uh, the other option is to end your dash and then pick up at a new zone wherever you are, which you can do. It's annoying, but you can do it. But the risk of you getting further away from where you want to be is higher because you're already in a different zone and that could take you wherever. Um, so that's something you got to think about. You know, somebody's like, well, what do you think a, a decent tip is? I said, you know, the 350 to $5 range. Because the weird thing is DoorDash will encourage you, all these apps will encourage you like a percentage, which is what you do at restaurants and stuff like that. Like, oh, we'll give them a 20% tip. But, you know, we're not making the food. We're not doing anything like that. So I don't really care if it's three bags of food or one bag of food. You know, the drive's the same, the time's the same. So I said, you know, three and a half, uh, three fifty to five dollars is probably an average tip. 
if you're you know farther away i'll see like a 10 11 tip if it's like a, a 12 12 mile drive type of thing and some people just don't realize it like they'll It'll be a 10 mile drive and they'll give you a $2 tip and nobody's going to pick up that order. Just be, unless it's on their way home or they want to go to a different area, then somebody might grab it. You know, I know some people will sit and wait until an order pops up and, and then take that one. If they're going, like, if I'm going to pick up my kids from school, I might just sit at home and wait for an order that's going that way and grab it. You know, even though, even if it's not a good order, I'm driving it anyways, I might as well do something while I'm doing it. So that's kind of the interesting uh, back end on tips that I, I've noticed that you wouldn't have thought about originally when you're ordering. And you have a great breakdown of the, the economics, what you've earned, you know, kind of trying to figure out what your maintenance costs are, your other fixed costs, plus what you're earning hourly and all that. So highly recommend people checking out the post on the yeah, website I, about it. One one more thing I'll throw in there. Like you, you get all these ratings, like, uh, you know, if a customer wants to leave you a rating, like a one to five star, when you get an order, if you decline it, it'll show you like what percentage of orders you accept. And then uh, you'll have, uh, if you finish on time percentage, and then a if you cancel an order percentage, like if I accept an order, and I go to Outback Steakhouse, which is a, a, the one by me is terrible for time. So I'll go there and it'll be like a 30, 40 minute wait to pick up this order. You're not getting paid for that time. So a lot of times people will cancel orders if it's going to be a while or if the restaurant's really backed up. Or if you go to a McDonald's, and the drive-thru has 30 cars in it, you know you're going to be there for an hour for like a $6 order, you're going to cancel it. So that dings you. As long as you're above 80% on that, you're fine. But the real one is people worry about the acceptance rate. You can be 5% acceptance rate, 10%. I'm usually in the 30% range. And it shows red and it makes you look bad. And people think that, hey, I need to keep this up. And that's kind of like a mental game they're playing with you so that you do accept more offers, but but you don't have to. You, you know, you can turn down almost everything and they're still going to keep sending them to you because you're an independent contractor. So that's the way to keep your earnings up, uh, keep your mileage down, all that stuff. I didn't do that well the first night and my first night earnings are like a half of what I have been earning since because of that. So that's a key to it. Um, only accept good orders that have high pay and, you know, shorter drives, stuff like that. I love double orders, uh, which is... Either you pick up two from the same place or two in the same strip mall type of thing, and you drive to uh, two residences in the in the same area, stuff like that. I avoid all, all fast food restaurants because the lines are so long and they're so understaffed, it's terrible. So I won't, unless I've just driven by it and saw that there was no line, I won't accept it. And then apartments can be a pain in the butt if you got to ride elevators and at night trying to f- see uh, the markings of which building the number is and all that. So that's something else to watch out for. Last thing, I mean, any any crazy, crazy deliveries yet? Like any crazy stories that have come from this? Uh, you know, one thing I found kind of interesting and, and bizarre is they seem to be moving more or trying to move into like the Instacart area where they'll actually have you go to like a Target and uh, a Meyer grocery stores, uh, Walgreens, stuff like that, and, and do shopping for them. And I got one this past weekend um, that was to Bed Bath & Beyond, which was, you know, like a half a mile from my house. It was while I was putting my shoes on, it popped up and I took it and then I drove like two miles to the person's house. It was to buy one wine, uh, bo- wine bottle opener, which was $16 and I got paid $16 to do it. So <laughs> from the tip <laughs> and, you get- and the bounty and everything, they basically spent like $40 to get into this bottle of wine. They really wanted to drink right then. And, and I've noticed like some crazy things like that. And I think with you know, COVID cases being high, there's people trapped in their house and like, what else are they going to do? They can't go to the store. So this is one way to get it done. And I think that's kind of the cool thing about it is you, I know I'm helping out people that can't eat and, or can't go shopping and stuff like that. And we had to use these programs when we were all uh, in, in home for COVID. So that's kind of a cool thing. And then it's your, the opportunity is bigger because of that type of stuff. But yeah, I've seen that. Oh, and then another one, a lady ordered one small shake. And it was like a 10 mile drive, but you know, I got paid like $13 for it, $14 for it. And she paid all the fees and stuff. So I'm guessing she paid 20 to $25 for this one small shake. That was it. That's all she got. Yeah. I wonder how, like with dash pass and like how that affects things too. Cause I've ordered, like, I know I ordered one once I ordered pizza from Virgin hotels, which is pretty far from here, but then my delivery fee was only $2, even though it would have normally been like $10. So I wonder how much DoorDash is eating of that, you know, passing it on. It's it's really fascinating, and I know you're going to share more as time goes on, as you experience more, and uh, we'll we'll continue to share it with people. But 
I, I think it's a, it's a great thing. And the fact that you're putting good resources out there for people to who want to do this so they can they don't have to make any of the mistakes that you did. And it's so interesting that you, it's kind of gamified, like you said. So learn the system and you can earn more money compared to just sort of blindly going about it. Everything these days in, in the world is gamified, right? Every, yep. you know, there's always I, a, a strategy. I think miles and points plays a good role into this, making it more profitable because we have ways to get reduced gas, which is the biggest cost. Uh, depreciation is a good tax write-off, you know, repairs on your car, all that stuff. So I think that will add up to to the numbers and help out as well as this is technically you're an independent contractor. So it's your own business. So if you haven't been able to get a business card because you don't have businesses or, you know, you always have that issue, you're worried about calling the bank and having a talk with them. You say, Hey, I deliver for DoorDash on the side. That's a legit business with legit expenses and easy enough to sign up and do some things, show some income and away you go. So if you haven't been able to get business cards, this is legit an option to open up hundreds of thousands of points to you uh, through applications, which is kind of cool. All right. Well, thanks again for that. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Joe had a drop off, but you can find everything he does at asthejoeflies.com, his beautiful new website that uh, he has put up. Mark, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? Yeah, you can find me dropping off your food at your front door. No, uh, you can email me, mark at miles to memories.com. Find me on Twitter at Detroit Mark. Comment on any of the articles. I'll get back to you there. Join our Facebook group uh, in there all the time. So lots of ways. How about you, Sean? Yeah, miles to memories.com for all of our articles. Uh, you can follow us on all of social media at miles to memories or at MTM Vegas if you're interested in our Vegas content. And we also have our YouTube, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories but just head to miles to memories.com for all of our podcasts videos and posts about uh, all of this stuff and if you like the show don't forget leave us a good review in apple podcasts it's a new year we'd love to uh, get that feedback tell a friend about the show and find everything related at mtmpodcast.com that was a lot of a lot of website addresses right there (laughs) i should say even though i get one and two stars on this podcast on doordash app i'm all five stars baby that's right (laughs) i should get a medal joe i'm gonna go steal joe's medal i should i should get a medal for this (laughs) all right thanks so much for listening talk to you next time credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.